Happy Mother's Day to our mothers that are out there. Happy Mother's Day to my mother who is here. And I'm honored to have her here and as part of my life. This morning we want to talk a little bit. We want to um, take a, a step back from our series on the churches of Revelation and talk a little bit about motherhood and fatherhood. And we'll talk about motherhood today and on Father's Day fatherhood, but we'll set some foundation today as a way to honor our fathers and mothers and to explore what Scripture commands in regards to fatherhood and motherhood. Mother's Day was founded uh, almost a hundred years ago by um, a lady named Anna, Anna Marie Jarvis. And she had this idea that she wanted to honor her mother and find a way to have people, everyone else, honor their mothers as well. So in 1907, she quit her job and she incorporated herself as Mother's Day International Association. And she became passionate about how are we going to honor moms? What are we going to do for the mothers in our lives? And so she started going around, and within six years, she had persuaded the governors of nearly every state in the Union to embrace Mother's Day. So she quit her job and said, I'm going to honor moms everywhere. And she started this campaign, and governors got on board... By 1914, she had won over the U.S. Congress. In that year, President Woodrow Wilson signed a congressional resolution declaring the second Sunday in May the nation's day to honor mothers, and very specifically for their role in nurturing and raising their families. And so today we're here on the second Sunday in May, and we're honoring moms because of the work of one person who said moms deserve to be honored, She worked and found a way as a nation to now we honor mothers. Although not always for their role in the family. That seems to be something that's under attack right now. In fact, Anna Marie even felt that that was already being attacked as she saw it being commercialized. And, you know, we know it as a Hallmark holiday, right? And that's one of the reasons they think that it survived for for a hundred years, nearly a century But after she got the nation to sign on to Mother's Day, she she began a campaign against the commercialization of Mother's Day. She believed that moms should be honored with handmade cards and handmade gifts from their children, and that's what they would like, rather than printed greeting cards and floral arrangements. No, I'm not saying if you did a card and and flowers for mom, that's a bad thing. Moms, do you like flowers and cards? Yeah, moms, would you like it if your kids maybe wrote something in the card? Yeah, all the moms are like, yeah. So, so that's where she was going with it, is how do we keep a personal touch? How do we truly honor mom instead of make money on Mother's Day? And that's what she devoted her life to. And so today we come to Mother's Day, and we want to honor mothers, and we want to talk about it, but we live in a culture that is ever increasingly against parenthood. And, and fighting against motherhood, against fatherhood. We've seen just in the last 10 days, two more states legalize gay marriage. And I don't know if you've heard some of the arguments, but you might say, well, what does that have to do with mother and fatherhood? But one of the arguments, one of the underlying arguments that you want to look for as you see current events is what is the philosophy that's underneath that? And one of the questions with gay marriage often comes to children and what is best for children and how to raise children. And one of the arguments that the conservative side often makes is that children are best raised by a father and a mother. 
But the argument you hear right now in these states and in, in the current cultural trend is that it doesn't matter. Any two adults will be good. In fact, any one adult, anyone will be great for raising children. And parenting is under attack just as marriage is under attack. We see that in all kinds of different, different settings. When Jeffrey and Alicia first came into our home, Jeffrey was court mandated to be in the school system in some special needs classes. And we met with the school and some of the things that they told us to our face was startling. Things like, we can raise your child better than you can as a parent. We know your children better than you do as a parent. We had to fight to have breakfast with our family because they said, we're better at socializing your child than you are. And lest we think that this is all something happening in Washington, D.C., that's Anaheim. And so parenthood is under attack in our culture in ways that are startling and should shock us. And so how do we answer that? How do we come back and how do we honor moms and dads? And how do we hold firm to biblical principles? And I'd like to start today with just a couple of basics, a couple of foundational principles, and then we'll move into how to honor mom. But these principles apply to parenting, to both mothers and fathers. And whereas they may seem basic, they may seem simple, these are the things that are under attack in our culture today that we need to be aware of and we need to be ready to answer. Because we stand here today at Village Bible Church saying, Moms, your role is important. And your role is God-given and cannot be replaced. Dads, your role is important and God-given. And we stand behind God's design for the family. So as we come to the basics, how do we, how do we honor mom and dad? What is the biblical foundation for honoring mom and dad? Number one there, coming back to the basics, the master designer created families to have a father and a mother. The master designer created families to have a father and a mother. And again, you may say, well, okay, that's obvious, Pastor Ron, but this is what is under attack in our culture. Sixty years ago, when the attacks really came into to be against creation, there were several things that that movement knew would happen. One is if you, if you, can, if you can get a culture away from creation, you no longer have a designer. You no longer have a need for God an evidence of God Almighty. So that's one of the things. But, but then secondly, what comes out of that thought process is if we can prove there is no designer, if we can prove there is no God, then there is no design. Does that make sense? Then there is no design. And so things like God's design for marriage, God's design for the family, can come under attack if we remove a belief in creation. This is why believing God's Word as authority is so important and that we stand for what God says. And so the basics here is the master designer created families to have a father and mother. Turn with me to Genesis 1 and let's just do a a little overview of some of these verses and remind ourselves that not only is marriage between one man and one woman, but God created a family of a father and a mother as the best option for raising a family as his designed option, his created option. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. It's at the end of creation, and these are some summary verses for what's going to happen in chapter 2. 
But so God created man in his own image, and man is being used here in the generic humankind. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So right from the start, we see God created man, male and female, in his image to represent who he is. And we're different. Moms and dads, we're different because we represent different aspects of who God is and different attributes of God. But verse 28, sometimes we stop there. Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see God's design is to create male and female in His image, but God's purpose for that is to be fruitful and multiply, to have children, to create a family. And so right from chapter 1, right from the beginning, we see that God created mothers and fathers intentionally as the basis for the home, as the basis for raising children. And he's not just talking physical procreation here. He's creating moms and dads because that is what is needed in the lives of our children and in the lives of our home. See, out of that we see that both display God's image and both are essential. Both husband and wife display God's image and both are essential. Flip over just one chapter to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, 20 through 24. A passage that Pastor Andrew read yesterday in the wedding, and we often read in weddings. But again, it speaks to God's design and God's intention for the family. Verse 20. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. It's a great scene. God has Adam naming the animals and they're all coming two by two. And he's alone at this point. They're all coming two by two and he names them. Oh, that looks like a giraffe. Let's call it a giraffe. And that's a bear. Ooh, and, you know, whatever. He's naming the animals and they're all coming two by two because God is showing him what? He's showing him his need. He's showing him that he is alone so that he will appreciate God's magnificent work when God creates his wife. It says, but for Adam, there was not a helper fit for him. Not someone corresponding to him, complementary to him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Did you catch the at last? He's seen all the animals. No one's for him. He's alone. He, he, he has a need for companionship and for helper and someone to work with. And God creates woman. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman because she is taken out of man. What a statement. What a moment as he sees God's magnificent creation. And in the Hebrew, the word for man is ish, and the word for woman is isha. And there's a, there's a connection there, a complementary relational connection. So he calls her woman, not like we would say, hey, woman, and, and be you know, degrading or whatever like that. Woman is part of man. That's, that's what the original language meant. And so it speaks to relationship and companionship. But then verse 24, a verse that we, we use often. It's repeated by Jesus in Matthew 19. It's repeated by Paul in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. 
Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We hear that at weddings, right? Because God's design is for, for a man and a woman to come together and to create a family. But, but just a, a little fun thing to notice, where's the man coming from? He's coming from a family that has what? A father and a mother. And embedded in this verse about marriage is a description of God's design for family. That God designed a father and mother to be raising their children and preparing them to continue on and serve Him. So mother and fathers, we see from that story, need each other. Adam needed Eve. Eve needed Adam. And, and God designed it. You've heard me talk about this with gaps where Adam has some gaps, some things that he is good at, but some things that he needs help in. And Eve has some gaps and some things she's good at, but some things that, that she needs a, a partner with. And together, God has designed them to be the image of God and to fill those gaps. Not just in relationship of marriage, it's true there, but also in parenting. So I want you to think of some of these created story or stories of creation that we use for marriage, but also think of them as the foundation for the home, for parenting. So each are designed for, for different roles, different needed roles and aspects of parenting. Each are designed for different needed roles and and aspects of parenting. Last year for Mother's Day and Father's Day, we, we studied through 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 13, and we saw that Paul said these are aspects of mothering that are, are applied to ministry, and these are aspects of fathering that apply to ministry. And if we honor parenting, if we honor what God has created, we honor those differences. And so today we come and we honor mothers, that God has uniquely created and designed moms to do exactly what God intends them to do. And that's honoring. See, one of my issues with the whole argument of, well, any two adults can raise a child, or you you don't need a mother and a father, is that it directly disobeys God's command to honor father and mother. Because it's saying one of them isn't needed. It's saying their roles are not unique, they are not different, they are not needed. And so as a culture, we are in danger. The more that we we go down this path, we are in danger of continuing to violate God's commands and incurring His wrath. And we're seeing that in the disintegration of the home. We're seeing that in statistics like this last year, 36% of births in America were to unwed mothers. That should startle us. Because it's a disintegration of the family because we have lost our honor for father and mother. Turn over to Genesis 3.20. Just a couple more pages. This is after the fall, after the curse, and Jesus has just cursed the serpent and Eve and Adam. And to Eve, He talks about pain and childbirth, but He also gives hope. He says that one day your seed, and in talking to the serpent, He says one day her seed will crush your head. And so in verse 20... Adam, in a, in a statement of faith, in a statement of hope after this, after the fall and what we would think one of the biggest disasters ever, says the man called his wife's name Eve. She's, she's already called woman from man, and now he names her Eve because she was the mother of all living. See, Eve in Hebrew means living, life giver. 
And so he is honoring her and honoring her role as the life giver and who will, will be the mother of all because out of her descendants will come all mankind. And Adam, in a statement of trust in God, that there would be generations following them, that there would be one who would crush the serpent's head, names her Eve because she was the mother of all living. Finally, one more verse just to to see God's creative design is in Malachi 2.15. Malachi 2.15, toward the end of of the Old Testament, Turn there for a moment. Malachi 2.15. And it's in a section discussing God's view of divorce, but it, it deals with His view of family and what His creative intention was for family. In verse 15, Did He not make them one, speaking of mother and father, husband and wife, with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. And we see there that God's intention, His design for godly children is a godly father and mother. He's seeking godly offspring, so He says stay together, love each other, have the Holy Spirit part of your union, be godly. And that is His design for how to raise godly children. See, fatherhood and motherhood is designed by God. Fathers and mothers are uniquely equipped by God for exactly what He wants them to do. I want to speak for a moment. Some of you sitting here are single parents, usually not by choice. And that is one of the most painful places to be, especially on Father's Day and Mother's Day. But what that means for us as a church is that we come alongside and godly men and godly women in the church can come alongside and you are not a single parent. You are a parent in a community of 200. Just as Susie and I stood up here and committed to raising Jeffrey and Alicia and you committed, and I'll remember that, you committed to pray for us and help us That is the joy of what a church can do as they come alongside a single mom who's struggling to make ends meet and who's wondering how to discipline her boys and and why her boys are so crazy, which is normal. (laughs) And so for you that are are single parents, today is not a day that we want to, to slap you and say, why are you a single parent? But a day that says... Let's be a community together. Let's be community and help each other and parent together. And so God created parenthood. I know it's, it's one of the basics, but it is the foundation principle for both our argument against same-sex marriage and our argument against parenting as just this laissez-faire, whoever wants to can parent. But God designed a father and a mother. Second basic point then is thus God calls us to honor Him by honoring His design. Motherhood and fatherhood. Thus God calls us to honor Him by honoring His design, which is motherhood and fatherhood. He designed it with intentionality. I used to be a computer programmer before I became a pastor. And in computer programming, you come up with a goal. What do you want this program to do? And then you come up with a series of instructions that, that you hope 
cross your fingers, make the computer do what you want it to do. And there's a design aspect that is based on the outcome of what you want. And as programmers program, they get very, very, um, they have ownership of their program and they get very protective of their program because they are creating it, they are designing it. In the same way, God has designed in creation how He expects families to work for the outcome He wants. And so He asks us to honor what He has created. And so throughout Scripture, we see the command, honor your father and mother, right? This isn't just okay because life will be better, although that is the promise. If we follow their wisdom, then there are blessings associated with that. But this is because that's His design. That's His plan. And by honoring His design and His plan, we honor and worship Him. But let's look at that. Let's look at the word honor in the Old Testament and the New Testament and some of the Scriptures. Flip back to Exodus 20, verse 12. Exodus 20, verse 12. And we see God giving the the Ten Commandments to Moses and to the children of Israel. And the first four commandments deal with relationship with God and honoring God. And the fifth commandment, the next commandment, which where He transitions into how to live with each other, is in Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land and that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother. Deuteronomy 5.16 repeats this command and we see it in the New Testament. So what does it mean to honor? What does it mean to to lift someone up in that way? The, The Hebrew word for honor, interesting, is kabod. Have you heard that word before? Kabod, n- n- not a stick with a bunch of meat on it. That, that's kebab. This, <laughs> this is kabod, okay? We saw this word when we were talking about the attributes of God. When we taught him the attributes of God and his glory, the Hebrew word for glory is kabod. Same word. When Pastor Andrew a couple years ago taught on giving glory to God uh, alone, Kabod was the word we taught about. And so when we think of honor in the Old Testament, this isn't just, oh, I'm going to give you a little bit of my time. This is, I'm going to glory in you. It literally means heavy or weight. And you've heard me describe that. And so to honor our father and mother is to give them weight, to give them importance, to glory in them. Does that sound like just a a passing little hello in the hallway? No, moms are saying, oh no. (laughs) It's a lot more than that. But that is the word for honor in the Old Testament. To lift them up. To glorify their position that God has given them. The work that God has given them. In Leviticus 19.3, we see a second word that that the Old Testament uses for honor. Um, It reads, Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. And the word revere there is yara, which means to deeply respect, to be in awe of, to admire deeply. It's one of the words that, that we use when we say the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Same root. And that word is used for how we should honor or revere our parents. 
And these verses are not just commands for those children that are among us. These are commands for every one of us. Because whereas maybe only 50% or 30% here are mothers, 100% of you have had a mother. I can say that with confidence. And some of your moms may not be living anymore. Some of may, may have gone on to be with the Lord already. But we honor our parents, and every one of us is called to do that. And so the Old Testament words is to give glory to, or to give weight to, to revere, to respect. We move to the New Testament. In Ephesians 6.2, we see the command, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. That it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. And that word there, tamao, is to prize, to set a value on. It had a financial connotation as well, to take care of financially. But to honor your father and mother was to prize them and to set an incredibly high value on who they are and what they say. You know, if you have, if you have two items in your house and, and maybe you have two TVs and the TV in the, the front room, I think John Levy, you said, you, you posted a fun little thing about a new TV for $39,999, which I, I think that comma should be a period, but, um, so, so let's say you bought a $40,000 TV. Don't do it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about wisdom and finances later. <laughs> let's say you bought a $40,000 TV, put it in your front room, and then I sold you one of my old TVs for $10, and you put that in the bedroom. Okay, someone comes in, breaks into your house. Which one are you worried about them stealing? <laughs> Silly, right? We put value on what we prize highly. And so the word for honoring your father and mother is to prize them highly, treat them better than $40,000 TVs, as priceless. And so when we do that, that affects how we talk with our parents, that affects how we listen to our parents, how we spend time with them. That's the biblical command for honoring parents and honoring God's creative order. Because not one of us Not one of us has been placed in a family that God was surprised about. Not one of us has been placed with parents that God didn't intend to use for his glory. And so by honoring our parents, we honor God's creation, we honor his sovereignty and his plan. Joshua shared Matthew 5, 3-9. I encourage you to go read that sometime. But it's interesting because Jesus is confronting the Pharisees and his ultimate point is you cannot honor God without honoring your father and mother. You cannot honor God without honoring your father and mother. And if some of you are sitting here today and you have issues with your father and mother and you're not honoring your father and mother, I can guarantee that your walk with God is suffering. There is no way it can't because that is one of God's commands. It is his creative order. And we don't have time to to go through that passage this morning, but check that passage out. We cannot honor God without honoring our father and mother. So what do we do with this? We know God created parenthood. We know God has instructed us to honor fathers and mothers. And so how do we honor mom? On Father's Day, we'll talk about how to honor dad, but how do we honor mom? 
And I thought one of the best ways to do that was to ask moms how they like to be honored. Because I'm not a mom. I never will be a mom. And, and so I, I asked a number of moms in the church, and, and so many of you responded. And it was fascinating reading your responses because everyone said virtually the same thing. Every one of them had, had three words that kept coming up, some combination of three words, and one thing in particular that they desired for their kids. So I thought I'd share that this morning, because what better, play, what, what better way to know how to honor mom and dad? The first thing is remember her heart for you. Remember her heart for you. And every mom that responded, 100% of the moms, moms that responded said, my heart for my children is that they walk with God and serve Him wholeheartedly wherever He leads. That they walk with God and serve Him wholeheartedly wherever He leads. What a testimony to the moms in our church. I respect that answer. I applaud that answer. That every mom that answered said, that is my biggest desire for my children. It's huge. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To walk with Christ every moment. To serve Him. To never turn your back on Him no matter what life throws at you. And so that is what mom has given her life for. She has given her instruction for, her time for, sacrifices for. It's so that we will walk with God and live rightly in light of His, his commands and His love. So one of the ways we honor, God, honor moms is to live for God. To honor that respect, the request. Turn to 2 Timothy 3, a great passage where Paul is instructing Timothy. And Paul's reminding Timothy of some things. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14 and 15. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, his son in the faith. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it. Do you remember who who taught Timothy to walk with God? Do you remember? I'm going to assume that you all said his mother and grandmother. In 1 Timothy 1.5, just a, a few chapters before, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. And in 2 Timothy 3, Paul says, don't forget that. Walk with God. You honor your mother and you honor your grandmother. You honor what they taught you by living for God. But as for you, continue in what you have learned. The idea of continue is to hold fast to it, to stay the course, to let nothing swerve you. Talked with a lot of moms over the years, and their greatest joy is when their kids were walking with God. And their greatest heartache is when they turn from God. It's that important to them. In 1 Samuel 1 27, we see Hannah dedicating, like we just saw, dedicating her son to God that she had prayed for and was a gift of God. And she said, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord and he worshiped the Lord there. 
What an incredible ability moms have of directing their children to God and releasing them to his service. Moms, thank you. Thank you for that being such a sincere goal. Thank you for providing that everyday teaching. I thank my mom for not killing me when I kept asking why every second of the day, but patiently teaching me and instructing me. That is part of how God has designed moms. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan had four sons, and they all became ministers. At a family reunion, a friend asked one of the sons, so which Morgan is the better preacher? The son looked at his father, and he replied, Mom. (laughs) He was blessing his mother and honoring his mother because she taught him to walk with God. And moms, you are involved in the daily lives of your kids, and you have a unique ability to take everyday actions and train your children to serve God in the everyday. That is not a light responsibility, and we honor you for that. When we talk to moms, not only about what they wanted for their kids, and that was the number one thing, there was a few other things, but that was number one. I also asked, what, what do you want, or what would you like from them? How can they honor you? And three words kept coming up in every answer. In fact, by the end of the night, Susie and I were reading some of the responses, and, and she already knew the three words that I had categorized, the, the earlier responses, and every one that came in fit within these three words. It's like, this, this is incredible. Because moms are telling me how they can be honored. And the three words, just so you can fill them in right up front, love, time, and respect. Love, time, and respect. And the first thing that we can do to honor mom today is show her that we love her. Not just tell her, but show her that we love her. We do that by by taking time to think about them, by taking time to remember what they like. We do that through both words and actions. It was interesting, several moms said, they show me that they love me by respecting their father, our family, and myself. So one of the ways that we show mom we love her is by loving what's important to her, her family. By honoring her sacrifice. By relationship. Remember those little things. In Romans 16, 13, it's a little verse at the closing of Romans. And Paul is said, Paul just says, Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother who has been a mother to me too. It's a simple little throwaway phrase that we, we don't even focus on at the end of books. But what's Paul doing? He's loving that mother who has been a mother to him by remembering her, by noticing her. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 6-9, through 9, Paul's talking about motherhood in those verses and how ministry relates to motherhood. And he said, As apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well because you had become so dear to us. 
And one of the best ways, men and women, to show your mom that you love her is to still include her in your life, even as an adult. To take time to call her up and say, hey mom, this is what's going on, just wanted to include you. I guarantee you will make her day, or her week, or her month. By including her in your life, including her in relationship. Paul got that. Paul got that when he says, what can we learn from mom of how we minister in its relationship? So I challenge you today, how are you going to make sure your mom knows you love her? Not just say it, but make sure she knows you love her. That you are willing to sacrifice yourself for her. To put her ahead of yourself. One of the things that mom said was a way that their kids could show them love was through forgiveness. Through forgiveness. Forgiveness for all the times I hurt their hearts, spoke unkind words, made unfair requests, was a poor example didn't listen to or respect them. And I read that and I thought of Ephesians 4.32, be kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. And we can love our moms by forgiving them and not holding the past against them. None of us have moms that are without sin or dads that are without sin. But we have parents that God has given to us that are doing the best that they can under the, the, the light that God has given them. And moms, I just want to say, as I read some of those, my heart breaks because I know that we can all look back and I can already look back at my time with my kids and I can see a hundred things, a thousand things that I wish I had done differently. But God is using you and your response to those things and the development of your children. Do not lose heart. There is nothing that we can do that will drive our kids so far away that God in his sovereign grace and his drawing power cannot reach them. Trust God. Trust God. And so we honor our moms by forgiving, by loving, by remembering, by thinking of her. The second word I mentioned was spend time with her. And that came up over and over in the responses. And it comes back to relationship. But spend time with her. Time to talk, time to laugh, to play games, to enjoy each other's company. And I know that this is probably one of the hardest things to do in the culture we live in in Southern California, where we're going and going and going, and we have 25 things left today to do, and, and then we have 25 things tomorrow, and whatever we didn't get done today, and you, you get the... Yeah, blah, blah, blah. You ever feel that way? And moms would be honored if we just sat. Hey mom, let's do a puzzle. Let's play a game. I just want to talk. I have cherished the times with my mom. Just being able to listen to her wisdom. To listen to her talk about raising kids. About family playing Mexican train together, (laughs) and all kinds of other games. That honors your mother. Don't get so busy that you forget to obey God's command to honor your mother. And finally, number three, respect. Never stop respecting her. Never stop respecting her. 
And we see this throughout Scripture again, the Second Timothy passage that we read in 14 and 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. But then the next phrase, knowing from who you learned it. Interesting phrase. Why is that in there? Paul's instruction to Timothy is, remember the sacrifice your mom and your grandmother made in what they taught you. Don't forget it. And it's, it's a way of respecting, of honoring what they have done, of showing appreciation. There's a few ways that we respect moms. We'll just move through these pretty quickly. We, we respect her by honoring her thoughts and opinions. A willingness to listen without arguing, without fighting against it, but to just listen. To put weight on the wisdom that they have gained. Remember, kabod, honor, glory, to put weight on. We honor mom by putting weight on what she says. Proverbs 1.8 says, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Honor her thoughts and opinions. And one of the things that came out in, in a number of the surveys is it'd be nice if they cleaned up their room a little bit too. <laughs> Why is that important? Because it's a way of respecting mom, of saying what's important to you is what's important to me. And so when we completely disregard what's important to our parents, if we're living in the house, maybe it's the house. If we're, if we're adults, maybe it's back to the time, or maybe it's back to some other. If we completely disregard what's important to mom, then we are disrespecting mom. And we are violating God's instruction to honor our mothers. So those that are living with your moms, keep your stuff cleaned up. It's a way of honoring mom. Show appreciation. It's another way that we respect moms. Show appreciation for the sacrifices, for the pushing. Say thank you. Be grateful. Two great verses that illustrate this. Proverbs 31, 28, and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. In Proverbs 30, 11, and 12, there are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers, those who are pure in their own eyes and yet are not cleansed of their filth. And both of those Proverbs urge us to bless our mothers, to praise them, to show appreciation, to recognize her impact on our life. To recognize her impact on our life. That's the remembering. Spurgeon wrote this about his mom, a great preacher, a great man of God, influenced thousands of people, thousands and thousands. And he said this, this is a great example of how to bless our moms. I am sure that in my early youth, no teaching ever made such an impression upon my mind as the instruction of my mother. Neither can I conceive that to any child there can be one who will have such influence over the heart as the mother who has so tenderly cared for her offspring. Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. Certainly I have not the powers of speech with which to set forth my valuation of the choice blessing which the Lord bestowed on me in making me the son of one who prayed for me and prayed with me. He knew how to bless mom to appreciate mom and to respect mom.
as you spend time with mom today, don't just say happy Mother's Day. Bless her. Appreciate her. Be specific. Be direct. Motherhood is part of God's design. And God designed you, mothers that are here this morning, He designed you to fulfill His role in your families. And so we honor God by honoring you in these ways, with love, with time, and with respect. I challenge us, remember those three words today. Remember those three words this week, this year. And let's honor our father and our mother, specifically our moms today. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, our Father, I thank you for moms. I thank you for my mom. The countless hours she taught me your word. That she instructed me of how to apply godly principles to life. That she corrected me, that she disciplined me. That she prayed for me. Lord, what a blessing you have put in my life. I pray that we would honor moms in that same way. I thank you for all of the moms that are here this morning and the heart that they have for their families and for their children, for their husbands, but mostly their heart for you. Lord, we are a blessed community, a blessed family. In Jesus' name, amen.